Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode and we are continuing the road to the LGT with all of the hype that is surrounding the Invitational. We have today a special guest, a former Invitational champion and a former main event champion. It's not two guests, it's just one. Welcome to the show, Malik Amin Rubio. How you doing Malik? Um, all well, Zach. Thank you for having me on. Uh, good to be able to chat a bit. Yeah, it's been uh, been a long time coming. We've tried to get you on the show a few times, and uh, it's never quite worked out. But I've got to start off with a very simple question, Malik. I've said your name a bunch of times on this podcast. I've read it out a bunch of times when you've been winning events, and we've called you up onto the stage to collect your prizes. But am I pronouncing it right? Because I have no idea how to pronounce your middle name. Is, is that correct? Is it Amin? It's Amin, Malik Amin, uh, okay. Amin Rubio, but okay. it really doesn't matter to be honest. All right, with you. I'm, so we've I'm got caught up. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Malik Amin Rubio with us today That's to discuss uh, the Invitational this year and previous years. As I mentioned earlier, he won it once before, and we're going to chat to him a little bit today about how he approaches this event compared to the main event, what works in one that might not work in the other, and all that jazz. But let's get started with the state of 40k at the moment. We've gone through a big, big change. We've just got the balanced data slate, which is effectively, I guess, 10.5 the changes are so substantial we're basically in a little bit of a new additionary phase once again so malik give us your thoughts on where we are with the game at the moment and in particular the balanced data slate yeah totally i mean i actually firstly think it's just a really exciting moment uh to be going into like a really big major event you know uh, i think you know the lgt and lvo are the kind of two big milestones in the calendar year and to go into what is in essence not a balanced meta just yet you know it's not set we don't know what's what what's great uh is really exciting because it actually brings innovation to the fore um and the changes have been good uh arguably uh, a long time coming and, and maybe a little bit foreseeable we probably could have avoided that but um i think there's some really cool stuff that they've done um as well as like kind of nerf the obvious stuff i thought what was quite smart was actually kind of nerfing the next taxi on the rank uh, so we all had ideas of, you know, what could be good, uh, once Elder and GSC were out of the way and actually some of them got hit, uh, which is really interesting. So, uh, you know, where everybody was maybe thinking, you know, a straight pivot into thousand sons and custodes and actually seeing both of them take, uh, little changes is really interesting. So, um, all overall very good. Uh, there's a big argument and I probably agree that I'm still not sure they did enough about Elder, uh, but we will wait and see. Yeah, I've seen some Elder lists up by 200 points and others up by like 500. So I guess it was dependent on the build that you were running. But obviously not just faction balance changes, but major game changes as well with Devastating Wounds. Obviously that primarily hits offenders like Elder, but it does affect the entire game. So we are going into, you said, not a balanced state, but I would say, you know, it, it 
has potentially balanced, but we just hasn't been solved yet. We have no meta. All we've got is speculation. So the LGT will be the prime opportunity for people, as you say, to innovate and show what they think is the best. But before we get on to what we think is the best and what we think might win it, you obviously won the LGT in, I think it was 2019. You won the invitation of the same year, which I believe that year we only had three rounds, but maybe you were to remind me. So you basically went 10 games in a row completely undefeated. It was at the peak of Admex glory. Obviously, they've fallen from grace now. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since, I guess, your career highlight win? Yeah, totally. And, and you're totally right. I think that's uh, the peak uh, of my uh, Warhammer 40k career, as we call it. We always laugh, right? Because we, we take it too seriously, calling it a career. Um, but, you know, for me since then, the, the hobby's definitely been uh, a little bit different. You know, like I like to say I'm retired, but you can't really retire from a non-job. Uh, but I've just wanted to enjoy the game in a slightly different manner. So I wanted to really stay collecting the same army, uh, painting it to a slightly higher standard, you know, the, the pure chase just means you have to go from army to army. Uh, so really, I, 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 don't, I will never not compete, you know, like I always want to win my games and uh, it's hard to not want to potentially go a little bit further. So I, I've definitely been tempted since then. Uh, I stepped into Dark Angels for a moment. But other than that, I've just really been playing one army. So I've been playing GSC long before they were good in 10th. Um, I'm just building and building and building on that army and actually really focus on the other side of the hobby, you know, like, uh, doing less events, but when we're there, just really getting to know everyone, having a laugh, having a giggle, uh, you know, I always say like the, the time between rounds is what was really different. Maybe before I would have been very focused on what my next pairing was or, or kind of taking rest in between, whereas now it's just about chit chatting with everyone. So um, the hobby is definitely a little bit different to me, but, you know, that competitive spirit is is inside always. So uh, I do like to dip my toe back in and, and maybe compete from time to time. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point there because I've gone through a similar sort of evolution in my own engagement with the game Um about three years prior to yours but um you know when i think i did five tournaments in six weeks one time one of which was lv uh was uh, nova the other was wtc um and then you know had to sort of rebuild a, a relationship on a new term with the terms with the game and i think being a competitive player at heart is more about how you approach each game individually rather than necessarily needing to meta chase so you can go into a game with guards that are say a two and three faction and, you know, you, you can go into a game, if they're like, well, if I win this, I'm going to be three and two, and I outperform the faction. It's all about, like, your approach to how you're playing the game, I think, rather than, you know, necessarily just playing Eldor because they're good because you're trying to win the overall event. Like, there's different ways to be a competitive player, and I think you've really hit the nail on the head there. And it's great to see, you know, you have been performing well with GSC, and I personally you noticed your painting quality improving as I do my rounds around the tables. But... Um, that is uh, in the past, shall we say, because we have the future ahead of us. And you are playing once again in the Invitational as well as the main event. So let's touch on a little bit about where we are now. We're three weeks away from the event as of yesterday, and it's preparation time. We've got the new balanced data slate. We've got the new points. Tell us a little bit about how you're preparing for these two events and what might differ between the two. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, really key moment and key moment this weekend as well, obviously, as we're recording this just uh, on, on the Saturday. And um, for me, it's decision time. Uh, you know, like I have to kind of decide what I want to go in with each event and whether I want to really, really aim at winning it. So um, I, I'm sure pretty much every 40k player around the country is doing this, but, you know, we've got practice games this weekend. So for those of us playing the Invitational, I mean, the group chat is like fire right now, just like list ideas, thoughts, concepts. Uh, because we might have to get lists in, oh, I think we have to get lists in by Monday. So um, very little time to figure something out, which is really, really exciting because, um, you know, there's probably going to be lots of mistakes as in like, you know, lots of calls that people make on on list building that isn't, you know, optimum. Um, and there's a good chance somebody, you know, catches something uh, that later is, you know, much more prevalent on the main event because we've had a little bit more time before list submission. So, um I'm separating the two, Zach, like the Invitational and the main event are two totally different events. And it's not just the fact that they have different list submission dates, but actually our approach to both of them, and we've got several players on, in both events, uh, has to be different uh, because winning each and one of them, they're almost different tournaments. So uh, really, really exciting. And I, I can elaborate on that a little bit later, but um Definitely a lot of practice games. And what, what I'd say with, with people as well, you know, practice games take a long time. Uh, is now, between now and the event, how much time you actually get analyzing and thinking and talking about Warhammer uh, is as important as actually getting models on the table. So um, that's what we're doing at the moment. Uh, I think you blink and then there's 800 messages on the group chat. So uh, you have to read each and every one. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, uh interesting point because when you're at work you know you're obviously not playing 40k but it doesn't mean that you can't necessarily be thinking about you know what an optimal choice might be for different situations but for those of you that aren't aware the invitational list submission is this coming week we've initially set it as monday but it might extend to tuesday but the goal there was really to get it as close to the balance data slip as possible so that people haven't had the chance to really solve it. And the, obviously the overall event has a much later list submission date of the Sunday prior to the event, just like our normal our normal deadlines. So we're hoping for a bit more of a wacky and wild invitational meta and, uh, you know, putting that emphasis back on player skill rather than, you know, having just got the reps in with an army that is you know, good at solving for different problems. So there is a quite a significant difference in terms of how much practice and prep you're able to do uh, in terms of prior to list submission. Obviously, they've both got the same amount of lead-in before the event itself. But we are uh, we are in a, a phase of the game, I think, you know, where you could, people could panic because they're unfamiliar with what's going on in terms of different factions, different rules. And the game is still relatively new as well. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you can, you know, go into a tournament with a good mindset for for solving the sort of the need for flexibility or the, maybe the uncertainty around what's going to happen. Like, what's your what's your mental frame like when you prepare for an event? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think the the first thing we have to understand is that in it not being a settled meta is probably a better word than balance, like a settled meta or solved you used is you're going to have to be extremely comfortable with your army. Uh, so first and foremost, you're going to have to build for something that you know. 
uh, because you're not going to have time to learn a totally different play style or a totally different army potentially. So just be conscious about what you're going to invest in right now, whether it's from what faction versus what play style. Um, and then obviously, depending on which of the tournaments you're looking at, uh, obviously the vast majority of our listeners will be looking at like the main event. But um, if you're planning for the Invitational, right, there's different things you need to think about. In the Invitational, you just need to win. You know, like uh, you just need to, even if you sneak one point wins, that's absolutely fine because it's pure knockout. Uh, whereas actually in the main event, if you're hoping to get into some of those top cuts, etc., you may have to score a little bit heavier. So uh, you want to make sure that you're thinking along those lines um, and then start to think about, you know, what else you may find there. So I actually think, you know, we're, we're in a really privileged place where there is so much content being made by like wonderful content creators everywhere. Uh, and in particular, whatever it is, an article, because it takes a little bit less time to digest than potentially some of the video content is just start to read and listen and think about what is everybody else talking about? You know, what are some of the really obvious things? Because there's so many indexes and there was, you know, it's, it's such a wholesale change which, with things both going up and down. It wasn't, for example, just a pure nerf to the, the biggest things. They nerfed the second things, but they also buffed other bits. So you need to start really just digesting that content and then get to work on what do you want to play with um, and start to really ideate and iterate with some lists around that. Um, and then just ask yourself, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, so let's say I wanted to keep playing with GSC, right? But now I want to focus less on these kind of troop units that just recycle and more maybe some of the more powerful things. Is, is it going to be able to take some of the things that people are presuming are going to be good. So you can read about them, you know, in, in lots of different places. Um, can I clear X unit, which is really tough to clear? Uh, am I going to have enough to deal with this type of horde um, that, you know, people are talking about as potentially the next big thing? So um, I'm really getting into uh, what do I want to play? Probably more so than normal, because normally I'd be very focused on how do I deal with the rest of the meta. Yeah, I think that is a good point, both in terms of either picking one faction that you know really well, but you also said there, you know, maybe picking a play style that you know really well. And this is something I think that Manny does really well. He doesn't necessarily play the same army all the time, but he does tend to spot new armies that work well with a play style that he's very well practiced on. So, you know, some food for thought there. If people do want to jump off one uh, bandwagon and onto the other maybe that's the uh, the route to take but just to correct you slightly on uh, the top cut situation for the LGT this year so this year it is once again uh, a unlimited top cut so anyone that is five and0 has five wins zero losses makes it into the top cut but because of the slightly odd number of players you know we're sub um, 1024 whatever it works out as um, but we're greater than 512. That means that the round, um, what would it be? It would be round seven. So that's the last round on the Sunday night. There's four rounds on the Sunday. Uh, is only played by the people that have not already got enough points to uh, get into the semifinals and the quarterfinals. So this is an interesting point, Malik, because yes, you don't need to score highly to make it into top cut. You do just need to win your games. But you do need to score highly to avoid that round seven, which brings us on That's to it. 
the endurance aspect of this event because the main event itself is 10 rounds if you if you have to play that um shadow round and of course the invitational is three rounds on the friday and potentially the finale on saturday night as well so in theory if you repeated your double double you would have played three games on friday four games on saturday say you didn't score highly enough on sunday you would then have to play four games on the sunday and then three games on the monday so that is a grand total of what is that three eight 14 games in four days so tell us a little bit about the endurance aspect of doing what you did in 2019 in terms of just playing that much 40k and still being good oh, 100% i mean uh firstly that's that's my motivation to score highly because i would not want to be in that shadow round in any which way you know not only is it more time spent at the table it's another opportunity for things to go wrong so if you can avoid it you're in a much better place but um I can't even really think of what it would look like to play more games than we played back then. Um, you know, I think we did 10 uh, in between the Invitational and the main event uh, when when I won my, my two titles. Uh, and by the end, I was absolutely a broken person. Um, so, you know, endurance is, is really important. And there's there's, there's things that, that are obvious or, or should be obvious to people, right? Like, uh you know, 40k events are always a bit of a paradox because you're there with your mates. So uh, you all want to go out for drinks and have a laugh and have a giggle both before, after, during, between the events. But, uh, you know, like if you really do have aspirations and it doesn't matter about whether you're in the invitation or not, if you have an aspiration to do really well in the main event, right? Uh, and as you said, you know, you could get you know up to 10 rounds with a shadow round. You are going to have to be well rested and you are going to have to be focused. So, um, you know, 40k is a really exciting place. You know, there's those crazy moments when one dice roll decides it all, but you do have to try and conserve that energy. You know, like um, these days in, in ninth and tenth, really, uh, the game's designed to have less of these kind of like one or two turn shutouts, you know. Ex ex like excluding Eldar, you are usually playing between two and three hours. You're not really getting a half an hour game. So you're talking about 30 hours worth of focus, you know, and again, the game's designed to keep games closer, right? You know, like we, we don't necessarily see as many absolute blowouts. So you have got to, you know, kept well hydrated, well fed, and just a little bit rested. And then for me, I think it's about managing your emotions, so, you know, like <laughs> the game can really give you a hard time when things that shouldn't happen do and you roll terribly, uh, you know, when there's unexpected comebacks and like even just the, the social interaction, right? Like, you know, 99% of your games are wonderful and you have a great time with your opponent, but sometimes they're tense, you know? Uh, and that doesn't mean about, you know, like having a difficult opponent or not, but like you both want to win. And as you start to get to those later rounds, uh, you know, you, it is just normal and human for you to both just get a little bit more tense. So I think trying to win an event of this scale is just about mindset and keeping calm as well, because there's also just an inevitability that in between 10 games, you are going to be in a difficult moment. Um, I don't know many people who have just waltzed through uh, this scale of event and had easy games every single kind of game, right? So you're going to be in moments when it looks like you're going to lose. Uh, you know, if I think back to my LGT main event, uh, there was two moments that were, were quite difficult for me. So uh, one was in a really early round when, you know, we kind of all had in our heads that you had to score 100 
or else you know you wouldn't be able to make that top four because it was a slightly different format to what you just described right uh and i was paired in a bad mission against like a billion dark angels terminators where i was pretty confident i would win the match but actually they had a real ability to stop me scoring you know uh and immediately like as soon as i saw both the mission and matchup i tensed up a little bit um and it's about just not not giving up you know like uh and just i was just fighting for every single point there uh and actually in the end uh i managed to get through onto the top four i think there was like seven battle points through it uh and i think back about just how hard won some of those were in that game um and then lastly i think it was round four uh i played uh, the old orc buggy spam for people that remember that uh, and I went second, right? So obviously Admech were like crazy powerful, but um, so were these Orcs buggies and you just did not want to go second into them. Uh, and actually had an amazing game against Kyle, but like, again, it came down to the very last turn, uh, being able to kind of score just enough points to to sneak a win. And I just think, you know, like I'd made some mistakes that game, um, actually, in the first turns, both tactically and forgetting some of my own kind of like buffs. Uh, and it's very easy to let your head drop and just be like, oh, I've, you know, I've messed up here. Um, but you just need to keep yourself in it, you know, at every single game. Even sometimes your opponent has a first turn that is so frightening and you're like, oh my God, how, how can I come back from this? Um, so you just need to make absolutely sure that you tried absolutely everything. Um, and then you'll see that, you know, you start to find success. And and some of those more straightforward games will come when, you know, the run of the green goes your way or actually potentially you have a list advantage. Um, and those games, even though they're still going to be close, you know, you're going to be in control. So um, it's about surviving through the crisis uh, and just making sure you're really closing the door on those options when, you know, you do have an advantage. So um, I really try to keep that in mind. I go into every game thinking that I can win uh, no matter what. Really, there isn't a, a, a game where I think there's no way. Um, and take it round by round. Uh, you know, st- don't worry too much. You know, once you've done your analysis of the tournament and who's there, don't worry too much about your next round. Concentrate on, on this game and then take the next game when it comes. Yeah, I think that's a really good piece of advice. And the emphasis there on like keeping your cool is something that perhaps, you know, some people don't have. Um, sometimes people will have a surprise first turn against them. It doesn't go the way they thought it was going to. And then they just, you know, they don't want to play anymore, whatever. And they, they give away a victory that, that maybe they could have clawed back from the, uh, you know, the shadows of defeat, which uh, brings me on to my next question malik tell us how many times this edition you have gambited because this is something that not many people are talking about (laughs) and yeah it is a core part of the game have you ever won a game with a gambit have you ever done a gambit at all do you even know what gambits are what are your thoughts on this part of the the new mission i i do know what a gambit is and i have not yet had either uh the opportunity to gambit or had a gambit played against me uh so but that's testament less of like not understanding it and knowing because we, we spent a little bit of a while just reading through the cards and trying to think what situations are we gonna be able to do this in 
Um, but as of yet, I've not been in a game that's been a blowout either way where I've absolutely smashed my opponent or, or vice versa, which I think is good. It's good for the game state that, you know, games are, are pretty close. Mind you, I didn't play uh, Eldar at all through the, these first kind of six months. Uh, so, you know, I didn't get to just use double Wraith Knight against people. So, um, but I think you just like, you cannot be going into the LGT not understanding Gambit. You know, like you, you absolutely need to understand it because you may need it or your opponent may try that. And in particular, depending on your play style, right? Let's say you're playing a control type army that scores really well, but may not kill your opponent, right? So let's say you're a Vic type player who loves control. Uh, what's going to happen if going into the final few turns, you're absolutely miles up on points, but your opponent has started to kill all of your resources. You need to be cognizant and, and, and be aware of the fact that they could choose uh, to play a gambit, you know? Uh, so, or the reverse, uh, if you're playing the type of army where like, you're going to absolutely murder your opponent, but in the meantime, they're scoring heavily. Well, you may need to all of a sudden make advantage of the fact that you probably now own the board because you've kind of tabled your opponent by the end of turn three, uh, and claw back that primary that you've lost. So, um, just make sure you understand it and don't get caught out. Um, you know, I think there was one fairly big tournament where somebody took a, a big win in the latter rounds because of a gambit. So uh, I definitely wouldn't want to be on the other end of it, although I'm sure it feels really sweet if you're losing a game and all of a sudden bring it back around with a gambit. Yeah, I think that's the whole point, right? It's to make sure that you've always in it with a chance to win it, no matter how the game has been going up until that point. But before we round out today's chat, we're going to have you on a couple more times, Malik, to discuss the other events uh, and some other aspects of them. But before we do, I'd like to just touch on uh, a bit of team aspects of 40k because as regular listeners of the show will know we've got a regular segment with george called bets on he's obviously a teammate of yours and dice down is the only team i believe to have had two lgt champions obviously conrad won the first lgt and also won the invitational in 2000 and i want to say 21 Oh, 18. Beg your pardon. 18, no, yeah, 18. It was 21. It was the, was it it? Was, um, the uh, Eldar time, I think. I can't remember. Chewie won the main event. But um, tell us a little bit about what teams mean to you in the context of 40K. Because obviously, it's nice to have a group of friends that all share the same hobby. But Dice Down is a well-known team. And uh, it's interesting, I think, for people to hear about your perspective on what Dice Down really means to you, aside from just the social camaraderie? Oh, 100%. Um, for me, if I think back on all of my tournament wins, I, and I, I try to reference them regularly, and uh, even though they will all make fun of me uh, for it, uh, because uh, <laughs> that is the nature of our team, that we spend a lot of time teasing each other. But um, I have no doubt that a ton of my tournament wins are as a result of my team and my teammates. Um, and for me, you know, Dice Down has been the driving force uh, behind finding success uh, in Warhammer. Um, so I've, I feel like really privileged to be surrounded by a ton of really successful competitive players. But the reality is that 
I don't think we came together because we were all winners, right? Like it wasn't designed or built as that kind of team, uh, but actually the environment that was fostered in Dice Town started to elevate everyone. Uh, so even kind of team members that hadn't won a tournament before, all of a sudden were going a lot deeper, kind of getting the monkey off their back and winning that tournament. Um, you know, for me personally, and I think we'll talk about this maybe another time, Zach, you know, like becoming a serial winner, uh, I think is like uh, a threshold you need to push past. So, you know, winning a tournament is possible and everyone can win a tournament. But, you know, becoming a serial winner, the likes of Manny and Vic and Chewy and Mike Porter, you know, where you can win one in three events, you know, same in the States, you know, you've got Siegler and Lennon um, and Sean Naden uh, is all around the team that you surround yourself with. And, you know, you need a different dynamic. It's not about having, you know, stone cold, super competitive people, but you've got people that are willing to help you, uh, people that are willing to actually put a little bit of the groundwork to understand, for example, some of the factions that are least played. And uh, they're there just challenging your thinking, uh, giving you practice games. And, and for me, Dice Down is that, you know, and I feel so, so fortunate that uh, along with that, I've actually just got a group of mates. I think there's a moment when Warhammer became secondary to our friendship, you know, like, and Warhammer is the excuse to get together and have a few drinks and have a laugh and, and roll some dice. And, um, you know, you can see that at any given point in our team, there's probably a couple of people that are peaking, you know, uh, like over the last year, right, Clem and Dan uh, are the absolute powerhouses in our team. They're the ones taking down major events. Uh, you know, Alex has come back to the fore very recently with, with a big kind of two day win. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe in the past it was myself and Vic or even Conrad uh, pretty repeatedly. And that's fine. And and that's probably one of the most fun things, just seeing these different phases where people are kind of getting to the top of the game in different places. and But everyone's still playing their part, uh, no matter kind of where you are. So right now, maybe I'm way behind, like kind of typically where I have been, but I still like to chip in. Um, so I think you have to really craft, uh, a good team and, and ensure team harmony. And I say team harmony, our chat of those 800 messages that I was referencing, probably 200 of them are like insults and banter. So, um, but it's an important part of the hobby for me and probably the most important is I'd have to say it's probably what keeps me in the hobby. Uh, the, the team are fed up of me saying I'm, I'm retiring, but, uh, that is probably the reason why, you know, if not. Uh, I might have been thinking about some other things that I do in my life, but absolutely uh, be very careful uh, in essence of, of how you craft your team. Uh, make sure you've got the right people, the right dynamic, um, and you'll find loads of success and just push each other a little bit. You know, <laughs> I give all my my teammates grief. Like every time they tell me to go to a tournament, I'm like, you know, don't come back without without the, the trophy. And they all like, uh, it, you know, giving me grief about it but that's my role you know in the team uh to to try and push everyone along that line awesome well thank you so much for joining us today as you mentioned we are going to have you back on the show and we can dive deeper into this concept of serial winners but until that time thank you so much for coming on and we will catch you next time thanks again thank you for tuning in to what's happening in 40k we hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. 
And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening. 